0: You are listening to The Tish with Rabbi Michael Knopf, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about Rabbi Michael Knopf, please visit MikeKnopf.com. For more information about other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org.
1: Good morning, everyone. Uh, what we're going to be looking at today is a continuation of this uh, essay of Nativot Shalom of the Slonim Rebbe, Rabbi Shalom Noach Berzovsky, uh, the last uh, Rebbe of the Slonim Dynasty, uh, left this world in 2000. Uh, so he's relatively modern, relatively uh, recent in the in terms of Hasidic literature. It's about as uh, contemporary as you get. And uh, we've been we've been looking at this first essay. It's only a couple of uh, paragraphs long. Um, but uh, but each of the paragraphs uh, really can be studied as their own uh, individual uh, uh, entity, um, and uh, and just to kind of uh, recap a couple of thoughts that we've had. The first is this idea of of kavana of intentionality uh, when when one prays. What how much focus. How much thoughtfulness, how much uh, intention does a person need to have when they pray? And, um, and then Thibaut Shalom quotes Maimonides uh, saying that... Um, well, there's actually a, a, a something of a conflict in Maimonides because one thing Maimonides says in uh, his laws of prayer is that if you pray without the proper intention, you need to go back and pray again. Um, and the other thing that he says is that if you pray without the proper intention... Um, it is okay so long as the first blessing you say, I think he's referring to the Amida here, the fir- so long as the first blessing is done with the proper intention, right? which sounds actually very uh, common to me, is that like usually I get up uh, very frequently, I'll get up to pray the Amida, I'll have really good focus um, and uh, thoughtfulness in that first, paragraph, and then I'll kind of go on autopilot, right? It's sort of like um, uh, on an airplane where you have to have your seatbelt, like the most dangerous time is takeoff and landing, right? And so the pilots are focused a lot more in takeoff and landing, but the rest of the plane, the rest of the trip, unless there's turbulence, they're on autopilot. That's how I feel in prayer a lot of time. Um, And so what Maimonides says there sort of resonates with me. And so the first part of Nintivo Cholom is really kind of wrestling with this idea um, of, okay, what do you really need? Do you need intentionality the whole time you're praying, or is it enough that you have intentionality in one piece of your prayer, one blessing, one paragraph, one word even, right? And the other is, what is the uh, nature of the intention that you're supposed to have, right? So, um, uh, is it that you need to uh, uh, focus on and understand and mean all the words that you say, Uh, which is, um, I think, often when we think of, you know, what are we supposed to be doing when we pray, um, that is um, what many people... Believe, uh, and simultaneously, it's why many people have such problems with Jewish prayer, uh, because most, of, for most of us, Hebrew is not our first language, and so at davening, speed, even if you are familiar with Hebrew as a second language, at davening speed, it's very difficult to uh, to to mean and understand all the words that you say. And even then, right? Even if you do, I talk to Israelis that they, they say, like, they wish they didn't speak Hebrew because then they'd be able to pray right um, because you, you you pray words that you may not necessarily mean at that time, right that's uh, something that uh, you and I have been talking about a little bit right? there are prayers that uh, that that make me very uncomfortable uh saying that if I really stop and think about what they mean um, or prayers that sometimes you know I don't really feel right the, but that uh, in theory i'm not uh, I don't find so problematic so so is that what we mean by intention in prayer um or do we mean something else by intention then Tivo Shalom suggests. That intention in prayer can mean that, but it also can mean this, the 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 um, seeing ourselves as if we are standing in the presence of God. Right? that's what intention means in prayer. And if you if you uh, whatever you say in prayer, what whatever you mean when you say it, right, whatever language you're speaking in, what's the, the the primary thing, the most relevant thing, is whether you see yourself in that moment of prayer as standing in the presence of God. And what would you do if you were standing in the throne room? right? What would you do if you were actually having a conversation with the Almighty? That's the question. And then uh, the third paragraph that I want to look at uh, today and then open a conversation about, i we're going to look at a couple of lines from it, um, is, uh, so the, 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 the question that I frequently have is, Many people uh, say, you know, uh, the problem with Jewish prayer is that we have a fixed liturgy. The Siddur is telling us what to say. And if only Judaism gave me the space to say what was really on my mind or what was really in my heart, then prayer would be meaningful, right? Forget about the Siddur, I shouldn't have to pray what people 2,000 years ago told me to say, I should pray what's in my heart. And so sometimes I think that. And the question I have is... Is the sidor actually a barrier for your own personal prayer, or is the sidor a convenient excuse for the fact that we don't really know what to say when we stand up to pray? Right. So that feels to me much, much more true. Right. That uh, that, that I can blame the sidor, but in reality, when I stand before God, um, or when I imagine myself standing before God, I'm not really sure. What to say. Right? And, and, uh, and if you want to say, like, you know, the model for that kind of prayer is in the Bible is Hannah. Right? Hannah in the book of Samuel is praying for a child and is just, you know, she's pouring out her heart to God uh, in, the, in the temple, so much so that the priest Ellie uh, uh, thinks that she's a drunk, right? That she's just totally lost in this moment of personal, passionate prayer. And that's the model, and I, you know I, I think that I may have experienced that kind of prayer once or twice in my life, um, and uh, and and for the most part, um, either I don't really know what to say for that kind of prayer, or I'm you know too terrified of, of what's going to come out right to to say that sort of thing in prayer. So that's the issue that he's that he's going to deal with here, and that's you what use
0: I use the the sixth litur- liturgy is a jumping off point if you don't know how to pray to. Get you started, uh, get you in a mindset so that you can do the type of prayer you were just referring to with
1: Chana. Well, I, so I want to. I'm going to do something very rabbinic here. I'm going to turn the question around because I, I, the question, the more relevant question to me is, does that work for you? Right? Do, can you have you used the prayer book as a diving board for your own private prayer?
0: Probably not. Um, but I was, I was thinking. And it may be because I'm, I'll say, familiar with the liturgy because I'm here often enough. But I'm talking about those who are stepping in and have no idea what to do because they can't read Hebrew. It's meaningless to that meaningless to them if you know what I mean. And at least they see something in the English translation and then use that as a as a place.
1: Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a really interesting question um, because I mean, what you point out is that uh, you know, on some level, the more familiar we are with Jewish prayer, the harder it is to actually have personal prayer on some level.
0: Right? Um, yeah, I know which psalm comes next, you know, cause I've...
1: But at the right, but at the same time, I could have, I could imagine, quite the opposite problem, which is someone who's, uh, something of a novice to Jewish prayer comes to synagogue, and assumes, because it's what everyone else around them is doing, and the pages are being called, and the leader is leading, right, that, that actually the, the only way to pray, the right way to pray, is to keep pace, to follow along, to read those words, because that looks like what everyone else is doing. Um, so I, I, you know, if they were to ask me, right, I might say, yeah, okay, like, you know, use a word as a jumping off point. Um, but but for someone you know who has who's a sheino yodei lishol right to, to, like may not know how to ask that kind of question that's already on some, to some extent a high level question right that's a question that uh, that that people around this table know to ask um, but I'm not sure someone who just happens into synagogue wouldn't yeah.
2: There's another <laughs> aspect here, the place and the time. for example. It's many times that in the Pasuket de Zimrim, I know the reader is droning on, if you'll excuse the expression, and there's a certain environment, but the fact remains that what my mind is doing could be totally independent of that, but if I wasn't there at that particular time, I wouldn't be doing it. The same with the Amida when you're standing um, yeah, you get. Uh, I think that's the point. You get started, but then your mind may wander. The question is, where does it wander, and what are you doing? I mean, that, so.
0: well, there are, right. spots where it says, uh, and you may uh, ha- add your own prayers or something like that, mm-hmm. and you can do that. Or what I do, like you say, droning on in the in mm-hmm. the meter, is an example of that. And I, I never finish anyway. So I try to pick a paragraph in English that I, mm-hmm. that may be meaningful to me at that one particular point. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. A different paragraph, because I try to. If I don't understand a word that I'm saying, I look over it to see what what they're trying <coughs> to
2: say, and then I'll make.
1: So a couple of comments that I want to make to those uh, uh, reflections and the first is you know so again like the, the the timing of prayer is a similar kind of issue there's a similar kind of tension in my mind when it comes to the timing of prayer as there is with the actual words of the prayer right so um, the fact that there are you know we pray at seven o'clock and six o'clock every day means that whether or not I have something to say to God at seven o'clock or six o'clock right, that's when I'm coming in for prayer um and uh which could be good right it could be that like having that regular time forces me to to you know say okay like 6 6:30 what am i going to say to god this morning right um uh, Usually that's not what happens. Usually at six thirty I'm getting out of bed, and then at seven o'clock I start davening. Um, but but it, but I think but that's the tension, right? Can it can that regular fixed time invite more thoughtfulness um, and more and more passion uh, than you know? Then there there is a kind of a um, oppressiveness of the spontaneous prayer, right? So. On some level, if I relied only on you know my passion to move me to pour out my God, my heart to God in prayer, I probably would never do it. Um, so that I think is the tension. And um, and uh, and and regarding what Eileen said, I think that that's uh, that's great. And I just want to offer um, a couple of things. The first is. Um, this is related to what Larry said, right? Not not all the mind wanderings that happen in prayer are necessarily useful for prayer, right? So I think a lot about scheduling and emails that I need to send and uh, and that sort of thing in prayer. I try not to, right? Um, you know, the uh, Buddhists are very good at this, right? About uh, um, you know mindfulness meditation. Um, that uh, that what you really should do is you know you it's very it's almost impossible to shut off the 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 minding of our brain, Um, and so what you really should try to do is, okay, a thought creeps in, you should note that you have the thought, and then discard it, right, and then your mind should be sort of empty, so, but that's only one possible approach to prayer, that it's supposed to be an emptying of the mind, right, Um, Anita Diamond, um, who's a Jewish author, famous Jewish author, wrote a piece uh, a a couple years ago about Jewish yoga, and uh, she, what she said, she she loves yoga and she loves Judaism, but she hates Jewish yoga, because she thinks that uh, uh, yoga is about emptying the mind and Judaism for her is about filling the mind, and she uh, and she doesn't like the conflation of those two things, um, which I thought was a neat. You know, I don't really do yoga, um, so I, I don't really have that kind of context, but I thought that, that was a neat way of putting it. All right. We used to
0: have Jewish yoga here. We did have a couple of yeah, years couple ago. Of years. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: So I'm not. Uh, I'm just. You know, suggest, I'm not uh, saying that it's necessarily about I'm just saying yeah. what Anita, it. Yeah. Anita diamond. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so led by a diamond. Wow. Um, okay. So let me just give a couple of lines from here just to add uh, um, embers to the conversation. So in the third paragraph, he says, Hine uh, haRambam." Anu ro'im kama inyanim Okay, so in the words of Maimonides, we see a couple of uh, um, uh, uh, issues um, in the uh, in the idea of prayer and the concept of prayer. Okay, that's he says the essence of prayer. That every day a person should pray and supplicate. Right? Uh, should should um, should uh, um, ask for grace um, every day. Before uh, blessed God, Magid Shvacho, you should um, uh, recount the the uh, the praise of God. Veshoel et sorchav lahem and a person should ask for his needs um, that uh, that he needs with requests and with supplication. Right? It says that's the essence of prayer. I mean, we have that reflected in the structure of the Amida itself. Right? That we um, that we praise God. We ask God for things, and then we praise God, or we thank God. Right? But I think he's saying something much more fundamental, right? is that forgetting about the, the actual words that are in the prayer book and the actual structure of the prayer, the um, prayer means pouring out your needs and wants and fears and pains and joys and praise and thanks to God. That's what prayer means. Okay, let me just do a, a couple more quick lines here, and then and then we can open back up for conversation. Okay, so we need to understand the whole premise of this essay was understanding why the Talmud says that prayer is the service of the heart. Okay, now I want to skip down to to the to toward the end. It's uh one two three four five six. Uh, seven lines from the bottom of uh, of this paragraph. Okay, and this is what it means that prayer is the service of the heart. Okay, that uh, when a Jew pours his or her heart out like water. I love that image. Uh, think of Chana in that in that in with that terminology. That you, that in the moment of prayer, you just dump. You pour out what's on your mind. You pour out what's on your heart. You pour it out like a bucket of water. And through that, you can cling and connect yourself and bind yourself to God. Right, and it's like if you have a lover. Or a trusted friend that um, that you are willing to pour your heart out to that person, right? That I think that uh, the, this strikes me as something that um, that women might resonate with more than men, um, uh, because. My wife will call her mom and like kind of dump, right? Or her mom will call Adira and and like you know dump everything that's happened during the day, everything that's going on in life, right? And my conversations with my parents are like much more. How you doing? I'm good. What's going on with you? Everything's good, you know. So um, it, it strikes me that uh, that there's um, uh, that at least in the context of uh, of, of my my experience, um, I. For, for this kind of prayer, um, I have a lot to learn from, uh, from the, way, um, the way Adira walks in the world and the way she relates to, uh, to others. Um, men, I think, tend to not be as open and as free-flowing with their emotions in this kind of way. So I think that this is a big barrier uh, for me, um, and I find this very, a very difficult kind of prayer. Um, anyway, but he, this is what he's suggesting. This is this is the essence of prayer. The essence of prayer is to pour out your heart to God like you would to a trusted confidant or lover. Ken That's the highest level of tefillah. Shigam b'she'ilat mitabek b'Hashem. through asking God for your needs, that's how you cleave to God, cling to God. U'margish ava toyit barachelav, and then you can feel God's love on you. Because all God wants is to help you. Mm-hmm. All God wants is to hear your prayers. All God wants is to hear you pour your heart out. All God wants is to be there for you and help you. I
2: think it's also that, that it needs kosher, to make the connection. Mm-hmm. I think that, that's a really nice. nice... At the Vatican, you know, put
1: the finger take mm. out the hand. Mm. It, it's interesting. I mean, that's a beautiful image, although I usually see that image, you know, as God reaching out to Adam, right? So the question of that image is who's reaching out to whom? Um, maybe they're both reaching out to each other. That's the Yeah. And the, the, what I love about the, how you pointed that out was uh, the modern Hebrew word for to call someone on the yeah. telephone is lehit kasher, um, you know, to uh, which is the reflexive of, uh, of connection, right? Uh, to make a connection, right? Um, um, and so, using that word here in this context is is like I'm gonna call, I'm gonna call God on the phone, and I'm just gonna gab about my life. I'm gonna, I'm just gonna talk,
2: vent. vent. I'm gonna <laughs> also, vent. when you leave, someone says, "Shomer Al HaKesher." Remember, let's keep the connection, keep, up. Keep the connection up. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. For me, this misses all of why I'm here this morning. 'Cause everything you said I could have done at home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I could have done it in, I mean, m- you in have? deeper. <clears throat> uh, I don't know and that that's part of what you were yeah. saying and I agree. Um, but I'm here this morning to be part of the community and to pray as I might
0: yeah.
2: together with community. Mm-hmm. And to me that is paramount to why He's we're all why, why
1: you are our rabbi, and why we're here and together. Uh, so um, I'm going to leave that second part because I think that the, for me personally, there's a, there's there's. Uh, I, 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 the why of the why I'm a rabbi is has, uh, is is a little bit more uh, complex. No, no, no I, no. I wasn't saying why you're a rabbi. <laughs> yeah, oh, you why I'm well, here as a rabbi. You are here yeah. as a rabbi. Um, but I, I I wonder. I mean, this is uh, because it's a really uh, important point that you're making. But I wonder: is there a way in which community can help this kind of prayer? Um, can can help push it along? Can help? Uh, you know, I think of uh, I think of like um, um, the Christian churches you know, the Pentecostal churches where people speak in tongues and there's, like, something about the, like, kind of communal urging of that kind of uh, ecstasy that is, that wouldn't happen if that person, to the extent that may not be a good example because we have, I think, our suspicions of that kind of uh, uh, um, outpouring, but, but it doesn't seem to happen to people when they're, like, sitting at home alone. It seems to happen to people when they're like kind of urged on by the pastor and by all the people, you know, cheering and saying hallelujah, and then all of a sudden they start speaking in tongues, right? Um so I wonder if there's a piece of that in communal prayer in Judaism. Is there a way that coming together as a community can help me say what's in my heart more than it would if I was sitting at home alone? Maybe it's just would
2: you? Right? Yeah, well, would you do that's, it? That's that's I think a big question.
1: Would I have been home? And probably not.
2: Well know. it it all depends on your I mean, you're, you're, what kind of habits you build. But there's a mandate that we get ten. And the fact that that's a mandate is something that should be discussed. Why? I think it's obvious, but uh, nevertheless. And, and the second point is, when you have a, communi- a communal prayer, you need a vehicle for communication across the community. What is the vehicle in our prayer. Is it the language? I don't think so. No. It may be, it, I think it's the service, the, the way the service runs. Because okay. we have a number of people who really, they have some clues to what they're reading, but you wouldn't say that but mm-hmm. they but they're not comfortable unless you have a certain kind of service. Mm. And so the, the real question is, what is the common vehicle? For the community, well, you know, we do have our responses to whatever the leader is doing, and you, when the whole group is sort of with it, you kind of hear that when the moment comes for this response, it comes from everybody or um, a large part of the people
1: all at once, and I think that's part of mm-hmm. it. I think, yeah, well, I think
0: we have at least in Arts tefillah. Um, as it's developed a kind of an interplay between the tefillah b'yechid, the individual, and the tefillah b'tzibor, the, the, the communal. So we have times within the tefillah, we are left to our own devices. And then we have also the function of the, of the shliach tzibor to keep us moving together. Um, but <coughs> what i was going to say, and I, I, for whatever reason the, the term is skipped, blown out of my head unless the one I'm thinking is correct. I think it's the Bratislav, uh, Robert Nachman of Bratislav had the practice of going into the woods every day for an hour and simply screaming, and I think it was, it was referred to as he's or, um, and expressing the deepest, dark, whatever. I mean, I think there was also questions of whether or not he's he was, uh... Sane. Yeah, um, what is it, the Press? Yeah, Absolutely. yeah, Um, yeah. and... But
1: Art Green calls him Tormented Master. Uh-huh,
0: yeah, yeah. 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 He came the primal screening.
1: Right. Well, you know... Listen, listen it is the Walt Whitman, right? I sound my barbaric yop from the rooftops of the world, right? Uh, uh,
0: or the uh, pa- painting by... The, yeah. the so screaming. different
1: kinds of different kind of scream, right? I only worth 120 the, million yeah. <laughs> I, think,
0: I think all, all of that I is one so, I didn't Certainly today, in the typical synagogue um, that you enter, you don't find people as expressive. Forget about screaming. Forget it. But, <laughs> but um, you know, with that same sort of passionate uh, I You can, you know, I've been to synagogues, modern, somewhat modern orthodox synagogues, young, where they are following more of that sort of brought to love tradition. And you see people very ecstatic in prayer, enormously passionate. That would seem very weird to to us if it it was transplanted here.
1: And, and, right, not only weird, but also... um, on some level, very, very dangerous. right? So um, I, I think of um, um, one of my rabbis in, in L.A., Rabbi Sharon Browse. Um, she talks all the time about how she wants to create in, in her synagogue, in her community called Icar, um, a, a space where where prayer is something that, that enables, some, she uses the phrase, breaks your heart open. She likes to use that phrase. And so one of the ways that she uh, did does that, um, is she has everybody on the High Holidays um, do korim, right, the full bowing for Aleinu. Um, and she sort of, like, you know, in, encourages that practice as a way to, like, really, you know, like, bear yourself before God and, you know, and and uh, and, and pour out your heart, right, do this kind of praying. And she had, uh, this was, a, I guess, fairly early on in her creating the, the community, but she was doing this, and she had one guy that was... Uh, very involved in the in the community, and um, and you know he went down for Corium, um and it it literally I guess you know uh, something happened to him there, and it and it like broke his heart right. He, like whatever he thought about, whatever he prayed about in that moment, whatever was created in that space, or whatever she said to kind of open up that space, um, you know r- you know really uh, you know ripped up his heart, and uh, and so you know he was uh, you know uncontrollable and um, and. And said, went up to her after services and said, um, I, nav- I never gave you permission um, to, uh, to, uh, to have that happen to me in prayer. And he never came back to synagogue. Right? Um, so, like, it worked, but it didn't work, right? So it, it worked in the sense that it, like, it enabled that kind of prayer. But, um, but, like, that's a really raw space to uh, be in, and especially a raw space to be in in public. Right, um, if you actually um, go through with it, right, if you actually like let this kind of prayer happen to you, um, you know. So it's it's a really, uh, it's it's really, it's 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 really um, um, uh, a you know a um, a, a fragile thing. Um, and so I just, uh, just in the interest of time, I just want to end with the the thought that was going through my mind in talking about this is this line from Psalm 30, which we say every morning, It's, right? um, yes. E'lecha Adonai Ekrav el Adonai Echanan um, right, so I I um, I, um, I call out to God, I cry out to God, um, and I and I uh, supplicate before God. ozerli. Uh, right, uh, uh, listen, God, and have uh, compassion on me, or have or deal kindly with me. Um, God will be my help. And I think about that. So that's you know those lines right, really I think kind of express the essence of prayer that the that the Slonimer is suggesting here. And he's suggesting that the Adonai Heye Ozer li, that God will be my help is actually not a, a a statement of request but a statement of fact. That what God really wants is to be the person on the other end of that phone, right? To 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 help to the extent that God can. And that's just one other thing that I want to add is that. Um, um, uh, uh, my teacher Reb Mimi uh, says that um, uh, her teacher uh, Rabbi Mickey Rosen, uh, the the highest compliment he would give somebody is to say, call me for no reason at all. Right? Um, and uh, and so she um, invited me to think about prayer in in that way. Right? That uh, that we show up in shul, we talk to the right? God is saying, call me for no reason at all. Right? Just call me to talk. Yes.
2: Uh, also, in that song though, at the end because I got the help. Of often this belief, my belief will transform my sadness, my into happiness a transformation. Right, you know, it makes me
0: think of an you know, expression. More than the calf wants to suckle, does the mother want to give milk? Mm. To think about God as, you know,
1: the mother giving milk. It's a beautiful image to end on. Have a good day, everybody. Yeah.